Dawson off in the course. Are you happy today? Pretty, pretty good, doing pretty well, doing pretty well. Um, Jesus loves the church. And the church is believers all across our world. Jesus gave himself up for the church. And we've been studying and looking at Ephesians and learning some of the practical things that Paul was concerned about in the church of Ephesus. And I think there's always something good we can learn from, from the Word of God. Amen? So just for example, reading through my, kind of in my devotional time yesterday morning, and kind of got going on a theme, and I cross-referenced, if you have a study Bible, you can, you can do that. It help, help, has the references of other verses that are similar. And so I read a verse in Corinthians, and then I saw the cross-reference to Romans 14. And this is just inter, inter, interlude here, pre, preview to the, the message. This is kind of a side note. Okay, so here it is, Romans 14, 19. So then, let us pursue the things that make for peace the building up of one another. Wow. So I'll read it again. So then let us pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. That is a, a word of encouragement to the church. And if the church is encouraging each other, building each other up, we're going to become an attraction to people who are being torn down or torn apart in our world we live in. The church is a safe place, or ought to be a safe place where people can come and not be condemned, but to be encouraged wherever, wherever they're at in their faith. If they're on uh, number one on a scale of one to ten, let's, let's rejoice. Let's encourage them on. If they're on a negative five, you know, let's try to encourage them to a negative four. See how I'm saying? See what I'm saying? This work that we call the ministry is a people business. And I kidded my wife. And uh, you've heard this, no doubt. Uh, you know, pastoring wouldn't be so all bad if it was for all these people. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're going to have stresses. You're going to have challenges. Because people are being challenged. Amen? People are being challenged in this day. And our, our hearts are, are to be in such, living in such a way that we, we're, we're sensitive. How many know the 
God the Holy Spirit can give you a word for someone else. Encouragement. A word. It may be right from the scripture. It may be something that God is speaking through you to encourage someone else. So, We've been going through Ephesians, and we learned last week a little bit. We were reminded that we are, um, we are human. In chapter 4, reviewing a bit, he spoke about how we ought to renew our mind and the spirit. How many know that, you know, if you just coast, you don't know, take time to focus on the Lord, you kind of get maybe a little on edge or maybe a little dry inside or a little feeling of disconnection. And I need something that other than the news. I need something other than what's going on around me. I need something that will be truth, that will edify, that will build up, that will strengthen. So number one today, the point is that we come together, number one, to worship the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength. The point is also that the church, the reason for its gathering is to encourage each other on in the faith, to strengthen one another, to bring edification. And how does that happen? Well, I believe it can happen through our attitude and our sensitivity and what we, what we speak out of our mouth. We have the potential to bless others. And we have potential to hurt others. When James said that little member of your body, and he said something about the tongue who is restless. No man can tame the tongue. But do you believe that God can tame the tongue? Because God can touch lives and bring the change in a person's life so they no longer speak like they used to speak. They act differently. They begin to walk in a different manner. And so we have some example Paul wrote to us that you get angry, verse 26 of chapter 4, be angry, yet do not sin. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. Everyone has a moment where you, you're, you push, you get pushed, you push, you get angry. What we do in those moments is critical. What we say in those moments is critical. We become vulnerable. He says, do not give the devil an opportunity. And so some real practical things here leading up to chapter 5, and then we got into this chapter 5, and it spoke about our walk in love, our walk with Christ. And really what it comes down to is our, our greatest witness is our example by what we do in our life. We learn more by what people do than what they say. We actually come to know people by what they do and not just what they say. And so it's a challenge for us, you and I today, to live in such a manner, and at verse 10, reviewing again, trying to learn what is pleasing to What is it that pleases the Lord? What is it that God is passionate about? 
What pleases God is first and foremost that we know him, that we are humble, that we are ready to admit when we have sinned or done wrong. We are ready, we are quick to hear, slow to speak, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. What is it that pleases God? And we get down to these verses and we touched a bit about making the most of your time, verse 16, because the days are evil. And everyone knows here today that time is a precious commodity, precious thing. We talked a little briefly to someone this morning about age and numbers and, you know, you can be older and still thinking that you're young in your mind. And time has a way of slipping by us. Opportunities come and go. We have seasons. Ecclesiastes has a time for everything. Everything has its time. In eternity, time is different. The word of the Lord says that there's a there's like the Lord a thousand Years is like one day. He's outside of time. But we're trying to understand what is God's will for me now? What does this day have for me? What does this week have for me? Many, much time is just being faithful, doing what God has called you to do or be. God has called you to be someone to be a light, to be that salt. And now we get to verse 18. Well, this is the beginning, you know, of the message. Paul is reminding them something very important. He says in verse 8, don't get drunk with wine. Well, that is a dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody with your heart to the Lord. I I don't know of any better way than to create an atmosphere than to, to be able to praise the Lord through song. To begin to lift up the name of Jesus or to lift or sing his word, his actual word to sing Music right out of the Bible. Some of the Psalms are are wonderful for that. And so in their time, in this setting, it almost seemed like he was warning them, "Don't, don't go the way of the world. Don't go the way that Satan himself has offered to us a counterfeit for being drunk with wine is not going to get you anywhere, but being filled with God, the Holy Spirit, will get you somewhere. And it will satisfy, and it will quench that deep longing within all of us that God has put into you and each of us to worship something. We're called to worship the Lord, number one, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns. The church... I believe it needs to be alive with praises. It needs to be alive with song and music that will lift up the soul, that will bring 
uh, the presence of the Lord. It will create an atmosphere for God the Holy Spirit to come and dwell among us, not only among us, but he dwells within us. And when he dwells within us, you don't leave the Lord here when you leave this place. He goes with you. And when you enter the workplace on Monday or school, Monday, Tuesday, there's something turning and churning. That's something the world can't offer. Only the Lord himself. And so Jesus commanded the disciples after he came back from the resurrection, the resurrected Lord in the book of Acts, he came back, he sought out his disciples, and he spoke to them. Amongst other people, he said he spoke to at least 500, and he, many people said that he was dead, and they still believed he was dead, or that his body was stole away, and don't believe in the resurrection. But I believe in the resurrection. I believe the word of God is true. And I believe that this is for us today, as Jesus said to them then. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. What is that all about? The disciples instructed to wait ten days. They waited in what was called the upper room. And they didn't know what to expect. They were there just praying and worshiping. There was probably times of silence where they didn't know what was going to happen. But you read in the Bible, in the book of Acts 2, verse 4, they begin to hear this mighty rushing wind. There was a noise. I don't know if you've ever heard a loud wind like that. How many have ever been near a tornado? Yeah, yeah. They tell me I've never really been that close to a... They tell me it sounds like a freight train. Yeah. It's violent. Something happened that day. These people, 120 or so, were packed in. They begin to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke in a different language that the Spirit gave them the utterance. It was nothing they conjured up. It was the evidence of the Holy Spirit flowing through them and speaking the wonders of God. Just so happens that people who looked on begin to think, well, these folks are full of they're drunk. They're happy. They're hilarious. Isn't it interesting that Paul compares being drunk with wine? Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. I believe the Spirit of God, when he fills us, there's going to be a joy past all unspeakable joy that you cannot describe. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And it begins by our seeking by our openness, by our openness. How many know you need more of the Lord? I need more of the Lord. 
in order to live above the things that are in this life, in order to, to, to understand, in order to have the backbone, the power to stand against ungodliness and untruth. They were not afraid after the day of Pentecost. Peter couldn't really follow through like he wanted to prior to this experience. Peter was struggling. Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times. You know, Peter in his boldness and his humanity and his personality said, no, I'll follow you right to death. And then he got to the point where it didn't happen. He he failed. He felt miserable. Something happened after he was filled with the Holy Spirit. It was he, it was Peter that stood after that day of Pentecost and the outpouring. It was Peter that stood and proclaimed the things of God. He proclaimed from the word of God. He used Joel as a scripture base and said, this is what Joel says, in the last days, I will pour out of my spirit. And all flesh, your sons and daughters, will prophesy. The tongues are tongues that God gives is for, number one, your prayer language. It's like a secret, mysterious prayer language. It's a it's you and God. And secondly, prophecy, interpretation is to build up the church because it's twofold. Twofold. But Paul goes on to speak about not only being filled with the Spirit, but the next few verses he gets is husbands. He addresses husbands. Or he addresses the wives first, and then he deals with the husband. Let us just take a moment to read what he said. And then we'll we'll try to apply it. Verse 22, Ephesians 5, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Oh, well, husbands, they just love this verse. They just love this verse. There it is, wife. Be subject, be submissive. I say, goes. Wait. As to the Lord. As to the Lord. Wives be subject. As to the Lord. The husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body, but as Christ is subject to Christ, or the church is subject to Christ, rather, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands and everything. Let me say something. Husbands, if we're living in a Christ-like manner, we're going to win our, our wives. They're going to want to follow us. They're going to want to encourage us. Now, I'm speaking towards a husband and wife that they're both believers. It may not always be the case if one is an unbeliever. That's a different set of challenges. And you still have to try to be faithful as a believer if you're in that situation. 
This is the deal. God never intended for the man to be Lord or to restrain or to control. He is one who must serve. He ought to serve, as we read on later, as Christ gave himself up, laid his life down, as Christ, the one who took a towel and, and washed, I would say washed, but my wife wouldn't like it. I'm sorry. I grew up by mom and dad. They, they said the word worst. That's really not, that's really backwards. But I still say it because I know it gets my wife and I tease her. See, why can't the husband and wife be this? Because they're both, if they're both seeking the Lord, they're going to have more capacity to love each other. And now, love is a big word. Just try to define love. Okay. It means so many things different to people. And I'd recommend if you ever can get a hold of this book called The Five Love Languages, and Carrie will help you out later if you want to get that book. It talks about five different ways that people show their love. For example, one may be, have the gift of, of uh, words. I don't. Uh, you know, it's, I have to work at it. But mine is more the acts of service. I'll go do the dishes or sweep the floor. But if the woman, if her, if her love language is words, then I need to work at that. You, see, you know what I'm saying? This is sometimes we're misunderstood from each other. And the man is over here reading his paper, for example. You know how that goes. And the woman is over here trying to get some conversation. And he's going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's tuned out, right? And it's frustrating. Right, woman? You just want your husband to hear you. Listen. They may not want us to always have the answer. They just want to know what you're feeling. You want to know the you want to know, you want to connect. And so here's sometimes the struggle. Here's sometimes there's, there's frustration in relationship. Because we're, we sometimes get busy or whatever and we tune out. We tune out from each other. And what the Lord would say through his word and through this portion is just, you have to be initiative. You have to take the time 
you have to think ahead of time, and I'm not very good at that, but I have to work at it, especially remembering special dates. It just so happens today is Carrie and I's 40th dating anniversary. Unbelievable, unbelievable, 40 years ago today, first date. Showed up at her farmhouse unannounced. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Don't recommend it. But because I was so led by God, <laughs> I struck out and went for it. What's the worst that could happen? She'll reject me. No. Turned out good. It was a kickoff. I don't know. Is this, there's something about this whole church and Christ, husband and wife. As you go through trial, you go through life, ups and downs as man and woman, husband and wife, you will be tested. Will you stay true to your vows? Or the part of the vows that says, for better, for worse, we don't like the worst part. Right? Come on. Nobody likes to do the worst part. But sometimes we're tested. And that is what exactly Jesus decided to do for you and I as a church. What was the only way for the church, for people to, to get to heaven? Now, there are many ways we can go with this. I don't want to get too bogged down. I think that marriage is a wonderful thing when God is in the center. On the other hand, marriage can be a terrible experience if we become selfish and we stop supporting and we give up. I'm not saying every marriage you know, there are times when there's people who have done all you can and the partner leaves. Anyway, that happens. All you can do is turn it to God and trust God. God doesn't stop loving you if things didn't work out. We, we are wrestling with so many relational challenges in our culture. Because our culture has messed with us. And we have been challenged to think that sometimes we deserve better. And maybe we do. And I'm just saying this. I believe God can help marriages be healed or get better, or get stronger. 
but he can make a little step. Improvement can happen. I think God wants marriages to succeed. I think God wants marriages to blossom. I think God is for a husband and wife if they're looking to him that there is going to be hope not only for them, but more hope for their children and more hope for their children because he was faithful. Because of God, he is in the business of restoring. Now, if things have happened and you're in a place in life, it's happened, you, you've been through, you, you've been, you're divorced or you've, whatever, it, 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 in the past you have to move on be faithful from where you are. Don't be condemned. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. There's now no more condemnation. And the enemy will do this. Oh, if you would have been a better person. Oh, if you would have just held back. Or on and on and on. Listen. Who am I to judge? Christ loves people. So now, by the time we get through all this, we were doing pretty well, actually, till the kids come along. You know, <laughs> just kidding. I hope Anna and Emily are. You know, no, we just kid a little bit. Someone said this marriage is a sense, but this kids. They're gifts. Gifts. Have all, have all kinds of kids if you're young and growing up in, in God's timing. Love your kids. If you have kids at home, you have grandkids somewhere, whatever. Your kids. They're your kids. I wish I had more kids in the church. I'm satisfied with my kids. They're great kids. Hear me, kids. You're out there. You're the best things that ever happened. Except for Christ, of course. I'm proud of my kids. There's something here we don't hear preach very often. I didn't preach much. Chapter 6. Children, obey your parents. Whoa, 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 whoa. How about that? How novel to think that a child should obey their parents, honor them. Maybe you don't know this, but it's in the Bible. Do you want to live a long time? It's in the Bible. Here it is. That it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. That's a promise to being obedient to mom and dad. Wonderful. challenge is this. Your parents, if you're young here today, have responsibility 
to raise you in the fear and admonition of the Lord, to help you come to the faith. And so my number one strategy to do that is not just what I say matters, what I do, what I do. It's the daily walk. It's the walk in the previous verses. Walk in love. Walk in love. Walk in love. Walk in this such a manner that they will see Christ in you. Husbands, when you love your wives, your children are looking on you. If you have young children, if you've already been through this, we just keep doing the best we can. You know, if they come home once in a while, that's great. We always like that. But there's a part here that that's always challenged me, verse 4, and this is where we're going to end up here. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. Now he's, what's that all about? Well, I think it has something to do with going too hard, pushing. There's a time to speak and not to speak. I have a feeling that there was some some things happening in the church that Paul was wanting to address. Some of the the men were, were being overbearing. They were were hard on their kids, but then they would just kind of not really live it. They were pushing their kids away from God. And that's never the intent. And so I think what he what he's trying to what we're trying to gleam here is that there there's there's a there's a time to just stop and take a breath. Does that child know you love them? Number one, that you love them, no matter what they do. Do they know their love? Do they know that they can come to you? You'll listen, you'll hear them out, you'll understand, you'll be compassionate. At the same time, there will be, yes, there are consequences. Or disobedience. There are boundaries we need to set and establish. But I really believe, and I've heard this said, that sometimes children later in life come back and thank their parents because they disciplined them. And they knew they needed it. Didn't want to admit it then. But it helped them make the right decisions later in life. Because if little Johnny stole something off the shelf, mom or dad got wind of it, and they brought little Johnny back to the store. You know, you got to make this right. It may be just what they needed to help them later in life, not to steal something bigger. This is really deep. Don't make it too hard. 
Your number one responsibility is to love God. Just love God. If you're loving God, you're going to have the capacity, more of the ability to love one another. You're going to look for what builds up one another. And then when the things of life happen, when the decisions have to be made, I believe God can give you the wisdom at the moment. God can help you say no when you need to say no. I hate to say no. I hate to hurt their feelings, you know. Just don't want to do that. But sometimes it's necessary. Or to give it more time. This is helping young people grow up in the things of God. Because God himself doesn't answer our every prayer. God doesn't always say yes. He may say wait. He may say in due time. He may say, trust me. He may say, in another day, in another opportunity. So this whole message, I'm trying to summarize now, just to bring it all down to one little verse that we read in the beginning. It's this, Romans 14, 19. So then let us pursue the things which make for peace and the building up. We need to let our kids, our grandkids, if you have them, let them know that they are on your prayer list, that they are on your hearts, that they are remembered at special events, birthdays, holidays, on and on it goes. We are so privileged that God entrusts us with children and with friends and with each other in the house of the Lord. Come back and sing that song again closer. It has to do with just walking with Christ in the right relationship, being in that place where nothing really else is more important than knowing the Lord himself, knowing that he lives in our hearts. If you're in a place, a situation right now where you're struggling to know if you are in the will of God, and know if you are, you know, are you in the place, are you pleasing God? This is a great opportunity. Just to, just to begin to layer your, your heart before the Lord. Say, in Jesus' name, I come to you. I don't know all the answers. I don't know all the, the reasons. I can't always fix my situation. I can only surrender to you and say, Lord, with your help, Lord, with your blessing, Lord, with your power, Lord, with your infilling of the Holy Spirit, fill me, Lord, afresh. Every day, Lord, I need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.